This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Hello, everybody. This is Hal. And this is Melanie. And we're wanting to welcome you to another episode of Making Biblical Family Life Practical, coming to you from an undisclosed location in central South Carolina. (laughs) Coming from the lake. Yes. This is our time at the lake. It's our rest, relaxation, and right retreat. The three R's. Yes, the three R's. Oh, for my mama's sake, I need to say, yes, somebody's watching our house. Yes, okay. But we are having a blast. We're sitting here looking at an egret flying by across the lake. Yeah, that is a heron. Is it a heron? That's no egret. No, you're right. That thing's huge. It looks like a pterodactyl. Yep, pretty cool. And doing my favorite thing, which is laying in the hammock and reading. Well, you've done some of that. Yes, a lot of that. Okay. So, at any rate, so yeah, we're having a... We're having our annual um, working vacation down here, enjoying the time. It's, it's nice to be uh, talking to you as we look out across the lake here. It's and, amazing uh, how much easier it is to write down here. I guess it's because mm, we're not getting continually interrupted. Well, a little bit. Well, the kids are down here, but they're busy. They're off swimming and kayaking and fishing. and. Well, okay. Any rate, any rate, we're glad to be here and glad to be able to talk with you. You know, one of the questions we get sometimes um, is really very, uh, it's very relevant for today. Um, somebody had asked, in fact, a number of people had asked, what can I do about teaching my children some self-control? Because, you know, the culture's got kind of this gravitational pull going on that's saying you need to, you know, a, an earlier generation said, let it all hang out. You, you, you need to just unload anything that pops into your head, anything that you feel. It's authentic. Nobody can argue with it or criticize it because it's real. And Let's see how long that works. Well, You can't keep a job like that. You can't keep a relationship like that. It's, it makes it problematic. I mean, it's one, thing to, it's one thing to be out there in the entertainment culture and promoting this idea, and it's quite another thing to be just your average person trying to have a family life and a job and but live yeah, in a community. They may be promoting it, but they're not living it, Hal. Mm-hmm. Because if they're not obeying the director's orders on, on a stage, they're not going to last long in that soundstage. Well, and I guarantee you there are topics that they have definite opinions about, but they know they're not going to say anything about it because it's going to blow back on them and they're yes. going to have trouble. So even even the people promoting those kind of ideas are exercising some discretion and some self-control. I feel certain of that because they couldn't yeah. succeed at what they do if they didn't. You can't. I mean, because if you're going to live in community at all, mm-hmm. then you've got to control yourself or else we just all murder each other. Well, you know, and and as you read through the Bible, particularly Proverbs, but a lot of other places too, you read through the Bible, you see over and over and over and over again warnings about the foolishness of people that are just driven by their emotions and their desires and and their ju- you know their, their anger and lust and gluttony and greed and and drunkenness and everything else. I mean, it's just people that are driven by their gut, so to speak. In fact, it says at one point, it talks about people whose God is their belly. And I think it doesn't just mean your stomach, but I think the whole sensual drive there, you know. It it ends badly. It ends badly for them. So how do you teach your kids self-control? Because it's Mm. not easy. A lot of us struggle with self-control. Right. But that, you know, 
lack of self-control is kind of one of the hallmarks of being a child. And, and conversely, self-control is a hallmark of actual maturity, I think. Yes. And, and so, you know, I remember a number of years ago, we were visiting a friend that they had a, their first child was just about three years old, okay? And and I remember we were just standing there, the grown-ups were standing around talking, you know, out on the doorstep or something. And the three-year-old was in the in the house playing. I don't know what she was doing. She was just playing like kids do. And suddenly she, she jumped to her feet, ran out the door, ran out into the front yard, dove into the flower bed, and just starts digging like a dog chasing a rabbit to earth. I mean, just, just digging and digging and throwing dirt everywhere. It's like there was no there was no pause. There was no stop and think, oh, what am I going to do next? Go outside, look around, ask permission. Oh, hi, Mr. Young. Hi, Mrs. Young. How are you? None of that. It was just like changing channels. Boom. Time so, to dig. Dig now. All the digging, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that I thought, wow, that, that, was, that was startling. But, you know, that kind of impulsiveness, that kind of, oh, I've got a notion. Let me pursue it immediately. That is, that is very much the behavior of a small child. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and I think that that, you know, that lack of any sort of impulse control is a sign of childishness. Okay. And, and you know, you see that all the time. You see a child mm-hmm. have a complete meltdown in the middle of a store because his mom wouldn't buy him a, a piece of candy. Uh-huh. You know, or because their food's touched on the plate. Oh, oh yeah. Or, or my plate was cut, my sandwich was cut into triangles and I wanted it straight across or the other way around. Because that kind of lack of perspective is exactly what we're talking about in childishness. I've got no control. Anything that anything that I don't want is a major crisis. And you know, I'll, I'll admit this. I remember I remember thinking with our very first one, and, and from time to time with later ones, when they were just babies, and then, you know, they something would be wrong. They'd be uncomfortable. They were wet or they were hungry or they just were out of sorts. And they would just squall and scream. And sometimes I'd look at them and think, my poor child, I know exactly how you feel. <laughs> and and there's sometimes that I would want to just lay on my back and kick my feet and scream and yell too. Yes. But I'm a grown-up and I don't do those things. Right. But I sure understand how you feel. So, I mean, the, the feelings are real. The feelings are real. The problem is they've got to have self-control. Nobody uh, wants to be around an adult acting like a three-year-old. Yeah, and what you, yeah, what we also learned with our first one is what what might be funny when they're eighteen months old ceases to be funny when they're three or four, and you certainly don't want that kind of behavior when they're teenagers. No. So there's got to be some there's got to be some training going on there. There's got to be some some teaching and some discipleship going on. But you know, mm-hmm. it's not a once and done though. How? Oh, There's no. a level of self-control that we teach when they're, you know, toddlers to preschoolers, where they're learning basic self-control. You don't have a screaming fit if they don't have chocolate milk. Right. You know, and then there's the self-control battles of the preteen years, where their hormones have gone crazy, they're emotional, they lack perspective, and you've got to deal with the with the teach self-control again then. Yeah. And then there's the self-control of the transition to adulthood, where you learn, you know. Mm-hmm. An adult does what has got to be done, whether they want to do it or not. Yeah, and, and that's where self-control becomes also matters of self-discipline. Yes. And diligence uh-huh. and some of those character qualities like that. So so it's going to be an ongoing process in parenting. It, it's mastering the, the old nature that, that we're all born with. You yes. know, we're all born with a sinful nature that desires our way right now 
no matter what. And we have to learn to fight with that and to grapple with that, uh, which becomes so much easier when the Holy Spirit's in your life. But Well, you know, self, self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. You know, do you remember mm-hmm. that song that we learned all oh, those mercy. years ago? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Singing about the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, verses 21 and 22. Yeah. You know, what, and what are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yes. Self-control is the last one on that list, but it's an important one. Well, self-control kind of makes all the others possible. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, and that, but that should give us hope because that means that we're not alone in the battle. Because that means that the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is our ally in this battle. More than that, he's in control. And that as our kids come to Christ and as they learn to, to submit to Jesus Christ and to right. his word, mm-hmm. then they're going to learn self-control too. And, and that is something that we should not be shy about praying for. Right. For ourselves or for our children. Because if it's a fruit of the Spirit, don't, I mean, isn't God delighted to give us good gifts? And that's certainly, that's something that we can, we can apply for and ask for and say, you know, Lord, I feel... I feel a need for self-control. I see a lack of self-control in my kids. Please give us that gift. Well, you know, we see in other, talking about other virtues, Mm -hmm. other passages say you have not because you ask not. Mm -hmm. We need to ask God for those virtues and ask him to help help us to develop them. You know, this was an interesting thing. We were looking at the second chapter of Titus um, just a couple of days ago. You know, Titus chapter 2, so much, you know, so often you hear that in reference to women encouraging women. That's one of those. That's one of those hallmark chapters, you know. But the instructions that Paul was giving to Titus, yeah, there's instructions about the older women teaching younger women. You know, what's the character of the older women supposed to be like? What are they supposed to be helping the younger women to develop? There's there's also instructions the character of older men, what older men should become, what they should be encouraged and trained and exhorted to become. And I thought it was really interesting when Paul's going through this list. He gives all this all this character advice to be teaching the older men, all this to be teaching the, young, the the older women and the things the older women should be helping to teach the younger women. And then he gets to the younger men and all Paul says is exhort the exhort the younger men to to be sober-minded. And then he tells Titus, and, and basically Titus, you be an example of this. But it was interesting that he gets down to those younger men and says, be sober-minded. And I looked up the Greek term. The term kind of carries two two meanings. One of them being to be in your right mind, not to be insane, not to be crazy or or possessed or anything, but to be to be in possession of your facilities there. But also, um, also to be to be a, a person who's not driven by passion, not driven by panic, not driven basically out of your mind, but always to be in control, to be sober. That doesn't mean be somber. That doesn't mean be grim. But it means yeah. to be self-controlled. To, to moderate your thinking and feeling. In, in your thinking and your it. feeling. Yeah. And so I think that's a that's a good thing that, you know, that's a good way to look at that. And, you know, Paul says to Titus to be an example to these to these young men. And you know what? We need to be examples to our young men and our young women in our homes and in our families. Well, I think we fail to realize sometimes that in parenting, we're discipling our children basically to ourselves. We're saying, right. follow me as I follow Christ. That's what Paul you know, said. One of my friends recently was very upset because 
an older child of hers on the verge of manhood is getting involved in some pretty deep sin. Mm -hmm. And when they confronted him over it, he looked at his father and he said, oh, come on. You do this all the time. Ouch. Ouch. And yet, you know, that that kind of thing could strike home when it's true. (sighs) Really? Mm-hmm. You know, and his, but his hypocrisy, his dad's hypocrisy, his dad's sin allowed his son to make excuse for his sin. And so if we're going to teach our kids self-control, we've got to practice it ourselves. Well, Jesus said that the disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he's fully trained, will be like his teacher. And that's, you know, that's oh, one of wow. those, that's a sobering thought, you know, that we want if we want our kids to grow up a certain way, we need to model that way as much as we can. We need to become the people we want our kids to be- to become. Because they're going to follow our example, both well, for good and for bad. Like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, mm-hmm. imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Mm-hmm. That we should be imitating Christ so that our kids have an example to follow right in front of them and not right. a bad one. Yeah. And so, okay, so that's... So we need to get some self-control and some self-discipline ourselves. Okay, what does that look like? Okay. That means I need to control my tongue. Yeah. That, that means will... I need to not be bursting out in anger, but stopping, taking mm-hmm. a few breaths before I speak. Right. Thinking about what's coming out of my mouth. Well, we quote this a lot. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Apostle Paul says, When I was a child... I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And so, you know, in our thinking, our understanding, our words, all of those kind of things, we need to be modeling grown-up behavior and expect our children to be maturing into that as well. So if we're, if we're wanting our children to be diligent in their work, we need to be diligent in our work. And if we want them to be circumspect in their speech, we need to be careful how we speak. Well, I remember years ago, mm-hmm. I had a I had a friend, and her children were the most sarcastic kids I had ever been around. They were very um, and unpleasant our, children. Well, our kids were picking it up, and I was getting pretty upset. I was having to constantly tell our kids, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. This is not okay. You cannot yeah. act like that. Right. Well, I had the opportunity to visit in their home, and mm-hmm. I realized why her kids were sarcastic. Yeah. Because she and her husband were sarcastic all time. The day long, constantly it's sarcastic like, to one another. It's like it was nonstop fencing. Yes. It was like verbal fencing all the time. And, and you know, it's funny. I understand. Mm-hmm. I love teasing and I love joking and witticisms. But when when we're being funny to the point that we're hurting other people, yeah, then we're doing wrong. When the when the claws seem to be out, yes. When the jabs are barbed. Yes. Then, yeah, then you're you're actually being, you are offending, even if somebody is, is choosing to overlook it. You're being offensive. Even and if they're choosing to laugh. Because our homes need to be a haven. Right. Our homes need to be a place where people feel safe, where they f- don't feel attacked, but they feel safe, they feel appreciated. And mm-hmm. to do that, we, we can't just pop, we've got to have some filters. We can't pop out every funny, smart aleck remark we think of mm-hmm. that might actually hurt somebody. Well, and i got to confess, that's something that I've had to always struggle with. Oh, me too. You know, because I see a situation and I think of a wise crack or a smart remark. And, yes. And I've had, you know, I've had to learn. I've had to learn, hey, hold your tongue. This, <laughs> this is not the place. This is not the situation. This would be totally inappropriate. You yeah. will cause trouble for yourself and for other people around you. Um, you. You know, you just have to learn to... 
and it may be hilariously funny, but you can't share that. There are sometimes. things more important than getting a laugh. Exactly. That's why we ask our kids if they if it's okay to tell stories on them, because it may be funny to us, but that doesn't mean it's going to be funny to them. Right. But you know, so we need to get some practical suggestions on okay. how to teach this, but how we need to take a break. Okay. This week, I think we need to make an announcement. I guess you're right, because our newest book Mm -hmm. is being released on Monday. It is coming out, like, right now. Our new book is called No Longer Little, Parenting Tweens with Grace and Hope. And, you know, this is a book we've wanted to get out for a long time, because, yeah, when someone comes up with a question, probably 80% of the time, they've got an 11-year-old child. That that just seems to be a, a particular it's sweet a, spot's not the word, but no, that seems to be a, a sensitive area. A pothole in the road. It's a it's a it's a challenging time to parent, but we have a book that's going to, I think, really bless you so much. You can mm-hmm. go to nolongerlittle.com to check it out, right? Or you can find it at raisingrealmen.com in our shop. I think you're going to love it. Check out No Longer Little, mm-hmm. and it'll be available everywhere starting on Monday. Okay, so. So let's talk a little bit about some practical suggestions, because after all, that's what we're about, making biblical family life a practical reality. So we need to be practical. Okay. Okay, so how do do you start teaching some self-control? Well, you know, I think you really start from the very beginning. I mean, potty training is a matter of self-control. Yes. I mean, learning to say yes, ma'am, yes, sir, is is a matter of self-control, but... Teaching right from wrong. Right. You know, this is what... This is... You know, you can't, you have to just, you have to obey your parents. The Bible says children obey your parents in the Lord. Well, and, you know? and as you, as you said earlier, it's not something that you're going to teach them in a three month period when they're five years old and you never have to deal with it again because you've, t- you fixed it. I mean, it's something you're going to have to address and be, be working on as a matter of discipleship throughout their, their young lives. I think a big part of it is emotions, helping them to recognize that emotions are not always reality but that they're valid and they're feeling them. And so like well, feelings okay, are feelings, real, but they can be inaccurate. That That's, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. The feelings, yeah, you, you, what you feel is what you feel. Now, should you feel that? What does that tell you about the reality around you? That's something you're going to have to kind of step out of the framework a little bit and assess. Well, Jeremiah says mm-hmm. our hearts are deceitful above all things. Right. And so sometimes mm-hmm. even our feelings of guilt may not be tr- not may not be valid. It, in First John chapter three, it talks about that about our hearts condemning us, but God is greater than our heart, yeah. which is to say, hey, your heart may condemn you, but God may not. I think God is greater than our heart is a great way to teach that to our children, to put our arms around them and say, I understand you're upset, and it mm-hmm. stinks to be upset, but you know what? You can control that. God is greater than your heart. You, know, you can you can handle this. You can go on and do what's right, even if you don't want to. Okay. And, and so, you know what? Teaching our children to recognize their emotions, to say, okay, what are you feeling right now? To recognize they're being driven by their emotions. And then, and then to, to start to control them, to say, just because you feel it, first off, it doesn't mean that it's, it's accurate, you know? And we see that a lot with preteens. Oh, yes, especially with preteens, because in that... With girls, it might start as early as 8, uh-huh. up to, with boys, it may go as late as 14. In that preteen yeah. phase, they have so much hormonal stuff going on. Right. Their emotions are like crazy. One minute, they're on top of the world. The next minute, everything is is, is horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, they're crying and weeping, and then they're angry. They're on an emotional roller coaster. And, 
and there's nothing driving it except the chemical balance and imbalance in their brain. And yet that's really hard for them to understand because lots of times they look around. And I've never, every time I've felt this way before, someone was mean to me. Oh, must be you. Yeah, I mean, the feeling, I feel, I feel angry, I feel upset, I feel threatened, then it must be so. No, it's not. I'm sorry. A lot of times it's not. And especially in this time frame, we need to be sensitive to that, to be, to be sensitive to the reality of their feelings, but at the same time, be able to come alongside and say, you know, the reason you feel so sad is because of your hormones. It's not because anything bad has happened. Probably good to say that when they're not in the middle of a meltdown, though. Hmm, okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, to talk about what the effect these hormones are having on them when they're not in the middle of a meltdown, so that when they're in the middle of a meltdown, you can say, hang on. Uh-huh. Stop. Let's talk. Why do you think you're feeling this way? Well, that's a good thing to do because... If they're, if they're having an emotional storm and you sit down and ask them to talk it through, a lot of times that seems that they kind of uncover in themselves, I don't know why I'm angry. I, I can't think what actually might have happened. You know, and they right. st- when they start to work that through, you know, verbally with you, it kind of takes them out of the out of the middle of the whirlwind and said, okay, let's talk for, you know, let's be reasonable and talk for a but minute. But if you let yourself jump into that tornado... Oh, you'll just whirl right along with it. Yeah, it's, it's, there's going to be a disaster. Okay. Catastrophe. Well, okay, and see, now that's a, that's a point, too. You know, when you talk about this, particularly in this time of life, that they're being driven by the stuff that's going on in their bodies and in their brains, and they really they don't have as much self-control as they will later. Right. You know, that it's not really productive to uh, to... to make fun of them, to belittle oh, no. them, to chide them too much about Even it. Even little guys, I hear people telling their, their sons, you know, mm. men don't cry. You can't, yeah, men, I've seen men cry for very good reasons. Yeah, they do. You know, and I think instead we say, okay, stop, mm-hmm. take a couple of breaths, get a hold of yourself here. See if you can control it. Right. Because there's there are benefits to being able to control your emotions. Right. Not being driven along by them. And okay. to feel free as parents to just put your arm around them and comfort them. To let yeah. them cry on your shoulder. It's okay. Uh-huh. And in fact, it builds trust. But Well, if they feel like their parents are a safe place to, right. you know, that's an important thing. Um, but they need to stop. We need to teach them, whoa, hold on. Take a couple of deep breaths. Stop. Think. Why am I feeling this way? What seems to be the cause? What What's is driving the situation? This? And you know, I I've had to exercise things like that. I remember being on a being on an engineering job on an oil platform in Singapore, and so y'all were thirteen time zones away. And I came into the computer room and and uh, turned on the computer, and the first thing I see is a chat window that said, "Well, Katie should be coming back from the uh, from the operating room in a few minutes." And I'm thinking, okay, do not panic, do not panic, do not panic. You find out what's going on before you panic. I felt terrible about that, but well, I had no other you, way of communicating well, with you. No, you did fine. You you were you were updating it as it was happening. It was just when I logged in, you know, later in the day, I just saw the last message first. And you know, I had to say, Okay, do not react until you have read the whole discussion. And so, you know, scroll back, scroll, 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 and find the start of the discussion and say, oh, I see what's happened here, and I see why they are there, and okay, I can, 
yeah, it's still serious, but I didn't need to panic and, and get all out of out of shape about it. And so that's something that's a really important skill to develop. Well, and we need to encourage them that being able to control their emotions will make life easier for them. Well, because you know, okay. if, if you get a bully in your life, if you break down, that's like putting ammunition into their hands. Well, and that's one of the that is kind of the the positive intention of, of telling you know of telling your your son that hey, you know you, you shouldn't cry. It's not that it's not that crying is inappropriate. It's that crying may make you a target. Yes. And, and being able to control it, at least to get out of the situation, if you need to let some emotions out, that's okay. But you might not want to show that in front of a crowd of hostile people. Oh, well, I can remember putting a hand on, on a child's shoulder and saying, mm-hmm. okay, hang on, don't lose it. Wait till we get out to the car. Right. You know, and it, just that little bit can make life a whole lot easier. And, and if you can control all, of the, all those kind of emotional reactions, you know, just like me controlling my tendency to react to that, that first message you know if you can if you can say okay i've got to stay calm because we're in a tough situation here maybe it's an emergency of some sort and i need to get out of the building or maybe uh somebody needs my help and and you know if i if i panic because somebody's bleeding i'm not going to be able to help them and so being able to control your emotions is really a useful thing and can save your life one day well you know self-control the need for self-control also includes, especially as they move into the preteens and the teens and adult years, mm-hmm. self-discipline. Okay, you know, yes. And it, I think as our kids are preteens and they're struggling so much to get their work done, talking to them about how their lives can be better if they exercise some forethought and self-discipline. Like, right. I, I, you know, with every one of our kids, there's come a time that they, that they got it. Mm-hmm. That they would say, Dad, you mind if I get up early tomorrow? Yeah. And, and, and you say, why is that? Well, I wanted to get my chores and schoolwork done because I had something I wanted to do tomorrow afternoon. Oh, in that case, yes. Get up as early yeah. as you like. That's Go right ahead. Yeah. You know, but it, they have to be taught that. They have to be taught, you know, if you are diligent and exercise self-control and self-discipline, mm-hmm. there are rewards. That means that I can't snatch those rewards away, which is tempting if we're behind in school. Say, oh, you got your schoolwork done. Let's do more. Yeah, we need to be really cautious about that because, you know, especially if they're if they're thinking, well, if I get if I get today's schoolwork done early, then I'll have some free time this afternoon to work on my own projects. And that's you know, we need to recognize that and reward that as much as we can. And then, you know, as they get move into the teens, we need to encourage them to take on adult behavior and responsibility. That's really something, you know, when ours have been twelve or thirteen, we've we've basically drawn a line on the sand and said, okay, from now on, you're not one of the little kids. We're going to consider you a young adult in training. You know, you're a young adult, but you still need a lot of mentoring and discipleship, you know, before you're ready to be independent. And so we're going to expect you to step up and be a contributor. Well, and also beyond that, the self-control portion, I know I've had to look at each of our guys mm-hmm. when they're 15 or 16 and they're huge. Right. And they've lost their temper and they've whacked one of their brothers to say, you know, you lose your temper and you whack somebody in a few years, you're going to jail. Okay. And that's an important part of this because in a few years, they're going to be out of our homes and they're going to be in a world where people are not as quick to forgive them, not as quick to love them as their own family. And so it's important that they have some uh, some moderation and some discretion to avoid causing trouble for themselves. To teach them that, you know, there's no, a noblesse oblige to being big and strong. 
right. th- that you only use your, your strength and your size for good. Right. You know, to help people. And so, yeah, you've got to teach that stuff. You've got to teach those aspects of self-control and give them the perspective they don't have. You know, look, you yeah. have to control your temper. You're losing your temper with your little sister. But, you right. know, in a few years, you're going to have a wife. And you uh-huh. can't talk to her that way or you're going right. to mess up your relationship. Right, right. And, and see, that's the thing that we found that as our guys moved into their teen years, then we need to be doing a lot more focused sort of coaching to, and, and always pointing out to them, say, we are preparing you for your independent life as an adult out there in the world. And this is not a matter of I'm trying to manage my household to make it more pleasant for me as a parent, but rather to say, hey, you know, in a few short years, people are going to look at you and it's not going to reflect on us. It's going to be every bit yeah. reflecting on you. And so I want you to succeed and I want you to make the best possible impression. And you're not going to be able to do that unless you learn to manage yourself and to carry yourself as a calm, sober-minded adult. And so teaching self-control is a matter of prayer and example yep. and explicit teaching. Lots of it. Yes. Coaching. Well, it's discipleship. It's discipleship, and it's something that they're not going to learn overnight, and there's going to be a lot of, you know, three steps forward, two steps back stuff. That's true. But, you know, we find that as they go through those teen years, you see the childishness diminishing. There's always going to be a bit of a kid in our hearts, but the childishness in our behavior will diminish as the grown-up behavior increases Mm -hmm. and it's just going to be you know in the early years it's going to be 50 50 or or worse but as you go along it's going to get better and better but you know if you want to know some more if you want a really good resource to help you to help you implement some of this please come check out our book no longer little just go to no longer little.com and that'll give you an overview of the book and show you a place where you can order your copy and it's coming out next monday Yes, I'm excited about that. Yes, we are. All right, folks, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to talking to you again next week. As we seek to put biblical truth into practice in the 21st century home. And so until next week, I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. Thanks for joining us. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D-M-E-L-A-N-I-E dot com. Or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Alan Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening.